let's take a second and talk about kingdoms. What makes something a kingdom? Maybe a palace? Definitely a king with a royal family. Probably an unruly uncle or something. Maybe some servants, a cheesemaker, some people who need ruling, and of course, a blacksmith. But that's not the kind of kingdom we are talking about. Much of Jesus' teaching was telling us about his kingdom, well, his father's kingdom. It was about how to experience God's rule while we are here on earth. People had a hard time understanding what this would look like, so Jesus opted to use stories or parables. He told stories about seeds, stories about weeds, grapes, and pirate treasure? <laughs> well, some kind of treasure. Some people got it, some people didn't, but it wasn't supposed to be easy to understand. Jesus said it was actually kind of a secret that you needed to get your heart around before you could really understand it. And telling those secrets is what Jesus was all about. Good morning. We are in the, uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, where we have been in a manner for, for a lot of uh, our time since last fall. We're working our way through, and uh, we've had a few uh, breaks, holidays, but we're back in a new series in the parables and beginning in Matthew 13. If you have a copy of the Bible, you can open it up, turn it on, access it. We'll get to that in just a minute. But as that video said, we're going to be talking about, over these eight weeks, the parables of Jesus. Now, what are the parables? And some of you know this uh, secondhand, some of you don't. But it's really a teaching style, right? And there, there's a lot to it, but at, at one level, it's a teaching style. It's as if I didn't, let's say I didn't talk to you today and I just showed you a bunch of pictures. They would say, oh, that's a different style of a sermon um, in Jesus, it's a different style, and what it, it, it is as a genre, so to speak, is word pictures, analogies that Jesus uses, stories you might say from everyday life, that pack a punch spiritually, a spiritual truth, and they're not um, to perhaps um, bust a myth, they're not, you know, Christianity for dummies, you know, sometimes they go parables, just an, Jesus is just kind of putting the cookies on the lower shelf, that's not at all what they are. It is a different style, it is a, it is a different means to teach, but they're intended to stimulate thinking, to provoke thinking, to, to, um, for you and I to, um, and all followers of Jesus, or all hearers, to really challenge our thinking, to um, stimulate and provoke us. So it's a different style, and they begin, this is also important, Matthew chapter 13, at least in his gospel, this is where a lot of them are, but they go all the way until Matthew 25. And they are not, though, the primary way in which Jesus teaches. I probably have even said that before, because Jesus says, even in this chapter, Matthew 13, later, Jesus only spoke in parables, uh, you know, um, at this point in his ministry. And that's true. But it's, it's, it, this Matthew chapter 13 represents let's say, the beginning of Jesus' third year of ministry. His ministry is about three years. And it's a turning point. And it's a turning point because, as sort of follow-up or catch-up, Matthew 11 and 12 
was where Jesus, the, the opposition really turned against him. In fact, we won't look at it, but in, there's a verse in chapter 12 that says the religious leaders essentially put out a contract, a plot to kill Jesus, okay? This isn't just they didn't like him or they decided not to show up to his, his gatherings. They decided, as crazy as this sounds, the religious leaders decided not to dismiss him or put out a bad ad in the newspaper, but to kill him. And so Jesus had in his first two years of ministry, in Galilee in particular, he, was, he had a lot of response, almost like a, you know, a major figure and a major teacher and kind of rock star status. But as you get to the third year, although people are still listening to him, the, the crowds begin to wane because the leadership of Israel, the people who hold the power in this community, they had a decided, uh, uh, they were against Jesus, and, and if you weren't against Jesus, you began to pay a price in this last year. And so those people who once enjoyed his miracles, it's one thing to enjoy his miracles. It's another thing to stomach his teaching, okay? And people didn't want to stomach his teaching or the implications. So Jesus begins to teach in a different style, right? So the purpose of the parables, they come along at a time in the ministry of Jesus where he had to continue to communicate, but you might say in a different way. Okay, now I think in these parables to, to, to you and I, he's trying to communicate. We'll see this in a second as we read this to primarily, not exclusively, but primarily the community of followers. Okay, and he wants to communicate to them in a new way. Okay, two things primarily I'm going to say are the reason for this strange uncommunication. What do I mean by strange? If you go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the largest block of teaching. There's no, there's not, there's no colorful um, word pictures there. He says, it has been said, you shall not commit adultery, quoting the seventh commandment. Now let me teach you what I think that really means and what it should mean in your life. He's giving what I kind of give, a, a straightforward sermon based upon some Old Testament texts. The parables don't do that. And I think it doesn't do that because of this intense persecution. But he's trying to communicate two primary things, at least, maybe more, to people like you and me, to disciples. And I think this will have application for us. The first one is he wants to right-size the expectation of the disciple community. Because, see, the, the Christianity is only two years old, so to speak, at this point. And if you were a disciple of Jesus, whether you're one of the 12 apostles or anybody else, you thought you just joined the greatest team going. You joined the Bills in 2019, right? I mean, they can't lose a game. I know they lost last week. But anyway, the point is, they're, they're, they're following somebody who has a great... It's, it's, it's sort of easy to follow the, you know, the crowd or the, you know, your favorite you know, writer or author or, or, or whatever, when they're, or football team or baseball team, when they're doing well. But Jesus says, listen, guys, I want to tell you something. The purpose of the parable is one of them. I want to right-size your expectations. Because not everyone, this seals like it's going up and to the right, but I want to I let you in on a secret, right? Not the overwhelming majority of people, at least in your lifetime, because Jesus has a long-term view, are not going to accept this message. And I want to prepare you because I don't want you to get to a place where some of us and some of our friends have gotten saying, well, gee, I really liked when I was an early Christian. And I began to, when I first became a Christian, it changed my life. And I had this view that everybody was going to become a Christian in my family, in my neighborhood. And this was just going to be, the whole world was going to change. And, I, and then all of a sudden, a year or two or three later, I realized, man, people don't want to, a lot of 
people I know are not interested. And Jesus says, I want to prepare you for that discouragement. That does not mean the message isn't valid. The word isn't true. What's happening in your life isn't true. But it's not going to go the way you think it's going to be. And by the way, what's another application for this? This is a whole sermon in itself. I have people say to me, you know, Rob, you know, uh, things are changing, you know, as if, you know, the, the, the gospel was great for 2,000 years, but the 21st century, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, the changes in, uh, you, know, uh, the, uh, you know, the sexual uh, revolutions of sorts that we're having or social norms or, you know, the advancements of science, we've got to change. People are not going to buy Christianity anymore, and we've got to go over some of the doctrines that we've been believing for 2,000 years, and we have to change them if we think the church needs to survive. And I would say to you this. Okay, uh, the church has handled a lot of difficulties in 2,000 years. And if we change and tinker with some of these truths because we want more people to believe, it's going to lose its power, okay? You're going to end up with nothing in the end. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, even way back here, number one, I want to prepare you. I want to right-size your expectations that not everyone is going to believe and it's not going to happen overnight. The second thing, to, this, to the title of this series, and we'll see in a second when we read the passage, is he saying, listen, the secrets of the kingdom, he uses these words, or mystery, depending on your translation. He says, here's what's going to happen. The Old Testament people of God have been talking about the kingdom and the Messiah coming forever. If you were an Orthodox Jew, everybody, even the, even the young people who just were you know, 10 years old, everybody knew that the heart of the Old Testament prophecy was about it, the kingdom of God restoration of the kingdom of God, and a Messiah, a deliverer, a prophet. But what you learn in the kingdom of God, what you learn in these parables is there's not one coming, there's two comings. That was, that was unknown for the most part. It's, it's seen in, in, in secret seed form. I can look back now. But people didn't know there was two comings. And what the parables tell the people of God is Jesus is not coming. The Messiah is not coming once. He's coming twice. And what does the kingdom of God that was supposed to be associated with the king's coming, what does it look like between the first coming and the second coming? And let me tell you what it doesn't look like. It's not a military victory. See, that's what they were expecting. They had thought the Messiah was going to come in and ride on a white horse, not on a, on a lowly donkey, and he was going to wipe out the opposition and reinstitute the kingdom of David. You see, a military victory like they did in the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. And Jesus says, that's not the way it happens. That's one of the secrets of the kingdom. And second, it's not only not a military victory, it's not a mass conversion campaign. Right? It's not going to be this thing that what's happened to you and what's happening in your hearts are burning that just in a year or two or three the whole thing is going to turn over. So that's not what's going to happen either. Right? It's going to happen over time and it's going to be in varied strength as it captures the hearts and minds and imaginations of the individual followers of Jesus Christ beginning with you. And here's the key idea. It's less a teaching, right, like Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's less a teaching than it is a revelation. And what the revelation is, yes, it is God's word, but it's God's word taken with God's spirit that comes into your heart and it reveals something to you, explodes something in your heart and in your mind. This is what Jesus is talking about, okay? And the first one, which we're going to look at briefly this morning, it's the first one in all three tellings of the gospel, uh, of the parables, is the most important one, the parable of the soils, the parable of the sow, or however you want to talk about it. It's the first one, it's the most important one because 
This is the key into everything else that Jesus has to say relative to the secrets of the kingdom. In other words, if you don't understand this one, you'll never understand anything else. This is the door. So this is a very important message relative to this series, okay? Stand with me, if you would, okay? And I want you to stand because this is a long passage, and I don't want you to fall asleep during it because it's very, very important that you get it. Now, let me say this, too, before I read this passage. We're beginning, in a manner of speaking, this series, which will last eight weeks, and it's more than Sunday morning, and I want to challenge everyone in this room to get involved at some next step. This is a group launch day, okay, in line with the series Telling Secrets. Today, if you're not in a small group, I'm in one, we're meeting Wednesday night at my house, you're all welcome. Well, not really, but anyway. Uh, uh, If you're not in one, you can go to the Next Step Center, just get some quick questions answered. Even if you're on your way to something, there will people be there to tell you what's next, how to get involved in a group. If you have a little more time, go to the gym, and there are people gathering there, some small group leaders who can have more conversation, tell you how to join a group, maybe some groups that are available. There's a whole list um, that, that you can take with you of actual groups, just men, just women, mixed couples, etc. You can take it with you, and I would encourage you to do that. Tomorrow night the 7th of uh, October, the women's gathering, Bible study, will be meeting. They meet every Monday night, but they're starting this series with material. So you can join in, and they'll put you in a small group. Thursday morning, I will be doing it with anybody that wants to come. We meet at 6.30. You can be a part of that community. That's a, that's a guy's thing. So get involved. Today's the day. Do more than um, be a passive receiver. Get engaged. Amen? Okay, now. Let's read this long uh, passage, but important passage, the parable of the sower, Matthew 13, 1 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out to the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, new style, saying, quote, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Ready for the big idea? Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to people in parables? It's a new game for them. He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, which had been his main subject matter in the the Sermon on the Mount, has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Listen carefully. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. This is a warning. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For the people's heart has become calloused. 
They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because you see, and your ears because you hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people, all the Old Testament um, characters, long to see what you see, but they did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to the parable of uh, what the parable of the sower means. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root... They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, ready, and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what has been sold. You may be seated. Let me give you the big idea right out of the starting gate here. Listening to Jesus' words is the key to life. Listening to Jesus' words is the key to life. You may go, well, that's good. I'm, I'm leaving now. Thanks for the sermon, okay? But hang on, okay? Because everyone in this Colorful little analogy is pretty simple. Everyone's a listener. It doesn't say, well, the first group, they said, forget about it. No way, I'm staying home. I don't care. I'm an atheist. Those people aren't even in this analogy. Everyone hears the word, right? Listening to the words of Jesus is the key to life. Jesus uses here, it's one of the most quoted prophecies in the New Testament of the Old. It's from, this is a whole sermon in itself. It's from Isaiah chapter 6. And some of you know this story if you've been in church a while. Uh, some of you don't. But Isaiah was one of the major figures in the Old Testament. He was uh, right up there with Abraham and David. And he's a major, major prophet. Everyone would know him who was a Jew. And he goes, in every, and Isaiah's calling into the ministry is a famous passage. Even a lot of you may know it. Isaiah 6. And he has this vision. Only, this only happens two or three times in the entire Bible where someone gets a vision of what the, whatever this means, the, the throne room of God looks like. Okay? There's only a couple passages. This is one of them. And Isaiah in some way is transported to the throne room of God. He describes it in Isaiah 6 and all this, you know, all this beautiful you know, stone and, 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 and colors and, and angels and, and holy. It's, it's this unbelievable thing. And he has this moment that any of us have when we get in the proximity of a holy God. He says, I, this is a paraphrase, but man, I'm a sinner. I'm a man of unclean lips. The people I hang around with are unclean. I gotta get out of here. It always reminds me of, I may be showing my age, but you know, the Wizard of Oz when the lion backs out and jumps out the back window. You know, that's what I always thought of when I read Isaiah 6. I gotta get out of here, right? But then God says, hang on, and this angel comes and brings a, a, a coal from the altar and touches his lips, and it represents atonement or forgiveness. And he goes from being wanting to get out of the presence of God to wanting to be here. And God says, listen, now this changed man is standing in front of me. He says, listen, I got an important assignment. 
I want to send someone to bring the message of Almighty God to the, to the southern kingdom of Judah. A heavenly uh, commission to a, to a focused earthly. And Isaiah says, how about me? Right, here I am, send me. Great missionary passage. And then God says, okay, I'm going to send you, but here comes the prophecy. This is, this is so interesting. I don't know if you have an allergy, a, a, a similar thing in your own life in any way. So listen, I got this very important job. You're the man or woman that gets the job. Here you go. But there's one important thing I want to tell you, Isaiah. You're going to go. You're going to do it. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you the resources. But they're not going to listen to a thing you say. So I want to prepare you now so you're not discouraged. You don't want to quit. You don't decide that God's word is, is worthless and has no power. Before you make all those excuses and have all those experiences, I want to give you a heads up. They're not going to like you. They're going to slam the door in your face, and no one's coming to your church. Okay? Why? Because... Why are they ever hearing but never understanding, never seeing but never perceiving? Their hearts are cast. I'll tell you why, and here's the warning for you and me. Listen carefully. Why did the people of God in the southern kingdom have this experience? Because of long inattentiveness to previous revelation. And long inattentiveness. I remember the book of Jeremiah, those of you who read it with us in 365 this year. Jeremiah, when he finally pulls the plug and says, you know, here comes the, the red coats are coming kind of thing. In other words, they're going to come and, and, and the, 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 the nation's going to be overrun. He says, I have been coming to you now for 23 years saying the, basically the same thing, you know. And, and finally God's saying, enough is enough, right? And he's saying, what happens is long inattentiveness to revelation. He's not saying people have never heard. He's saying it's the people who have heard but haven't paid attention to it eventually it grows a callus over your heart and you become spiritually blind and you become um, deaf to the things of God. That's the danger and that's what he's talking about here in this passage. And he's saying long inattentiveness brings, brings essentially this, a hard heart, Right? And it's not just, Jesus isn't just saying this for this generation. It's true for every generation that's happened in the last 2,000 years, okay? It's a, but he's saying, listen, verse 16, this is the good news. But blessed are your eyes because they see. This isn't really meant to be a bad message. It's a warning, but it's a beautiful message. And your ears because they hear. It is a blessing, but it is also a warning. Listen to these words. What is he talking about? Peter, 1 Peter 10, or excuse me, chapter 1, verse 10. Concerning this salvation, right? This is the secrets of the kingdom. The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah, Isaiah 53, etc., and the glories that would follow. So listen, all of these great men and women, these prophets throughout time, they were, they got it put in them and, and, they, were, and they were talking about the prophecies. They were talking about what was going to happen. They didn't really know what it meant. They couldn't put all the pieces together, but he's saying those things, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. It's a good message. It's an amazing message. 
but it comes with a warning, which is listening, how you listen determines how you live, okay? If you're going to take one idea home with you, this is what he's saying. How you listen determines how you live. It's got nothing to do with your skin color, your intelligence, what school you went to, whether your parents or grandparents or Christians or how long you've been in the church or if you're an elder or a pastor, means nothing. How you listen determines how you live. And that's really what this passage is really all about. This passage, which has been used maybe by preachers like me, to say, well, this is about evangelism. And Jesus is saying, you know, the word goes out and a quarter of all people become Christians. And, and maybe that's an appropriate secondary application. But Jesus is not really talking here about evangelism. In, in, in this passage, in my understanding, and many others. He's not talking about, it's primarily about whether or not those who hear the word of God, everyone is in church in this parable, whether or not those who hear the word of God, if it's been, that the, the, the word of God is being rooted in your life, it's bringing about a transformation in your life. For the kingdom of God, Romans 14 17, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, of peace, and of joy in the Holy Ghost. Are those things true in your life? That's what he's talking about. And here's the big idea of the parables. The parables are not teaching about the kingdom, simply like it's propositional. Listen carefully. The parables are teaching that bring the kingdom into your life into my life, in and through the life of a church for those who have ears to hear, right? It's a powerful thing. You say, well, that's just an interesting lesson. I'll catch it on video. No, parables don't just teach. It's not just teaching about the kingdom. It's the means that bring the kingdom. That's what the last part of this verse is, 30, 60, 100 times what was sown in your life. And what Jesus is asking, what I'm asking to you and to me is, listen, are you really listening? Have you really thought it out? Do you know the implications of the gospel? And let me give you this whole parable in just a minute or two as far as these soils. There's really only two. there's There's the heart that gets it, verse 23, the good heart, and then there's the imperfect reception, right? And again, this parable is not about who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. It's about who produces fruit in their life and who doesn't. Who knows the joy and peace and power, which is what the kingdom of God is. Who is able to do something more than the sum of their parts, 30, 60, 90. Who's able to love in their marriage greater than um, what they're loving today. Who's able to accomplish things that they could never accomplish before? Who's able to get greater strength and victory over sin in your life that's been, that's been dragging you down forever? That's what we're talking about. Does the word of God captured your imagination, captured your heart, and transformed your life? How you listen determines how you live. You know, I had somebody say to me recently, this is just in the last couple of weeks, this friend of mine said, hey, what are you watching lately, right, you know? The whole, you know, uh, nobody watches TV anymore, right? You know, Netflix and Prime or whatever. And, um, and I said, well, I'm watching this show. And they go, that's a weird name. What is it? And I said, well, it's a Danish show. You know, it's a Danish show. And they said, oh, what's it about? I said, blah, blah, blah. And they said, that sounds interesting, but is it, in, is it subtitled? And I said, well, yeah, it's subtitled. And they said, oh, well, I, I can't watch it. And I said, well, why not? Well, I've tried that, but when I'm watching TV, I'm, all, I'm multitasking, and I, 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 I won't be able to enjoy it. Okay, Now, that's okay. Here's what I would say. As far as TV goes, it's fine. 
Don't watch subtitles. Okay, it's fine. But it can't work in your relationship with the Word of God. Okay? If you, if you come to the Word of God, and many of us do, right? Maybe some of you even now are scrolling through your lunch plans. I don't know. Let me tell you something. You can learn something. You can fill in the blank. But it's not going to change your life. Right? That's what I'm talking about. And what Jesus is talking about, let me give it to you very, very quickly. There's a guide you can do a little more work on your own. Three different kinds of imperfect hearing, right? The first one is a hard heart. And a hard heart, you know, the, 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 it's, it's, it's in rocky soil and, and you know, the, the devil comes and steals. That's what Jesus says. The hard heart is an intellectual only experience. There's a lot of people that know the Bible even better than you or I, but it hasn't changed their life because it's an intellectual thing. Let me tell you something. The Word of God, although it is history and it is science and it is poetry and it is beautiful, let me tell you something. It's so much more than that. It's a revelation that's supposed to capture your heart and your imagination and, and rip it out and pull it, sew it back together and turn you into a different person. And that's not an intellectual exercise only, Okay. And if it's an intellectual exercise only for you, and you're just, you know, that's where you're having your arguments, that's where the water goes no further, that's where you draw the line, let me tell you, it will not change your life. You say, well, why hasn't the academy accepted the word of God? Well, that's why. It's not an intellectual exercise only, but guess what? The second um, soil, verse 6, because the soil was shallow, you see? Let me tell you what a shallow experience is. It's emotional only. Okay, there's some people that say, listen, oh, it captured my heart. That was such a great sermon or, or not a great sermon and the music, this and all those things are good. But let me tell you something. Many people come to God and they say, well, listen, you know, God is there to um, enhance my life and to encourage my life. But guess what? It's, I think it was Tim Keller that said, you know, we're like people that we're suffer We're not sufferers in need of a solution. We're sinners in need of a savior. See, some of us are looking for that good encouragement, that good lift up or that good leg up, but when the Word of God says, listen, you need to stop doing what you're doing, you have a problem in this area, there's greed, there's envy, there's lust, there's moral uh, problems here, we say, ooh, that doesn't feel so good, okay? That's a shallow experience with the Word of God, and if, you live, if your relationship with God is emotional only, it's shallow, and it might be good at some times, it might help you, it might be refrigerator kind of stuff, but let me tell you something, it will not change your life, it will not produce fruit. There's the hard heart, intellectual only. There's the shallow experience, the soil was shallow, emotional only, and then maybe the one that hits many of us, the divided heart, right? The divided heart that says there are other competing interests. The God, you not only listen to the word of God, it's in your heart. You give it some time. But, it's, but there are other things that are competing for your attention. There are other things that are competing for your loyalty. And sometimes when the Bible says, thus saith the Lord, whether it's about your marriage, whether it's about your money, whether it's about your time, whether it's about your service, whether it's about your ability to manage sin in your life, you're listening to more than one voice. Maybe it's the anxieties of everyday life that have a bigger voice in your heart than, than the word of God. Maybe it's the, the wealth and riches and the prestige and the importance of your reputation. Maybe it's something else and those things are normal and they're all in all of our lives but what Jesus is saying is, guys, ladies, let me tell you something. If you, this is what I mean by kingdom. 
It's not, a, it's not as that video said, it's not, kingdom doesn't mean, you know, throne and blacksmith and cheesemaker. Kingdom is about authority and about submitting your authority in my, who is the ruler of your life? Who's running your life? Who is thus saith the Lord in your life? And Jesus is my savior and my Lord is not just someone I go to, to get baptized and to get confirmed and to, you know, experience religious goods and services. He's the Lord of my marriage. He's the Lord of my relationships. He's the Lord of my money. He's the Lord of my, of my time. He's Lord of my thought life, or he should be, okay? That's what we're talking about. And if, you, if, if that's not your approach, if that's not your understanding, if you're not looking to the words of Jesus to capture your heart and your imagination, listen, God will bless you, and you'll, if you're a Christian, you'll go to heaven when you die, but it will not change your life. It will not transform you. And then you want to sit there, and I want to see, some people have said this to me. You know, as I said before, we have to change what we're preaching because in the 21st century, because of the advancements of science, these are the two big ones, and the changing social norms, these two things have made the Christian message unpalatable for for everyday people. So Rob, you and I, you know, we got in there early enough and, you know, we get it. But the, the advancements of science, and there are many of them, you know, whatever we're talking about, And the changing social, well, people aren't buying that anymore, so we have to change it. I would say, listen, there's nothing new under the sun, okay? What this is telling, the the, the impasse to belief for Christian or non-Christian is not the advancement of knowledge, and it's not the changing social norms. It's a hard, a callous, and a divided heart. That's what the problem is. And it's true for Christians as as well as non-Christians, and unless you and I are becoming more willing to surrender our entire hearts and our lives to God, we are never going to experience, if we don't learn how to listen, one quick verse, Psalm 119, verse 34. Listen to these words. This is what Jesus is talking about in the last soil example. Give me understanding, the great chapter on the Bible or on the word of God so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart give me understanding that's why Jesus says in verse 23 the seed falling on good soil refers to the soil that not only hears the word of God so you're all hearing it this morning but understands it okay and what understanding means is that you appropriate that word of God it's tied to a commitment of your whole being to do what it says. See, some of you right now, you know you don't have to think about it. You've been living in, in um, there are one or two or four areas in your life which is total contradiction to what you know is right. I'm not talking about you, you know, you used a four-letter word or you slept in late or, I mean, or you, you, you forgot to show up for an appointment. I'm talking about something that you know you're doing that you shouldn't, be, that you shouldn't have done and you made that decision and transaction years ago and you've never looked back. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. And God has tremendous forgiveness for you and tremendous forgiveness for me. But it's about turning your whole life over to him. Last point, God wants to do an amazing work in your life. This message really is positive, okay? It's positive. Blessed are your eyes because they see. Blessed are your ears because they hear. And he says, listen, for the man or the woman, even if the whole world's going in a different direction, listen, even if the church gets smaller and not bigger, in other words, if, if, if the church, the community becomes distracted hearers and hard-hearted, Jesus says, don't worry about it. 
Don't let that get you down because the second coming, let me tell you something, it's a different story, right? But for you, if you're willing, man or woman, if I'm willing, if we as a church are listening to not only hear the word of God, but to understand it, to appropriate it with the full commitment, to allow the word of God to become the words of Jesus, to be the drivers in my life. He said, listen, it's going to produce a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. In other words, what's going to happen in your life, what can happen in my life, is not going to make any sense. It's the marriage that, that on, on paper says it's totally out, hopeless, or the career that's hopeless, or the, the sin struggles in your life or my life that are hopeless. It's 30 or 60 or 100 times what was sown, okay? That's what God can do in your life. If you, not, if you uh, listen to the words of Jesus become a way of life, how you listen, right? Not with a divided heart, not with a hard heart, not with an emotional only, but with the full commitment of your being. Amen? Amen. Now, we're going to share in, in the Lord's table, so to speak, or communion together. And let me say a word as we prepare to do it. This is an application as we close this service and launch this series together. And let me say this too. I didn't say this the first hour. I'm getting bolder in my old age here, okay? You know what? You need to come to church more than once in a while, okay? And I want to challenge everyone in this room, except unless you're having a baby or you're on an airplane somewhere, uh, to uh, be here for the next eight weeks, okay? But let me say this about the, the, the secrets of the kingdom. Uh, what is he talking about? Ephesians 6, 19. Pray also for me, this is Basil Paul, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. What are the secrets of the kingdom? What is the mystery? It's the gospel, okay? The only thing that's gonna change your life, the only thing that's gonna change my life all the areas where, you know, you're not changing and I'm not changing. There's only one thing. It's a greater appreciation and experience with the gospel. That's what Jesus is talking about. It's the words of Jesus which are bathed in the, of course, um, the death and resurrection. It's only because of his grace and only because of the Spirit's power that anything that Jesus says can take place in my life and in your life. And what we're doing here is an application. When we share in communion, what we're doing is this. It is, it's, there's, it's not magic. There's nothing magical about the bread and the wine. But it is a moment for us to acknowledge the secrets of the mystery of the kingdom. In other words, the power is here. It's in the gospel. And although I've been a Christian for 35 years or whatever the number is, um, I'm still appreciating, understanding experiencing the gospel at deeper levels in my life. And what we do when we come together is we say, you know, we acknowledge the Lord's death until he comes and we say, God, open my understanding. Open my heart fuller. Give, take more control of my life. May the, may the power and the beauty and the forgiveness of the gospel, may it do a deeper work in my life and in my heart today. That's what we're doing as we share in this table together. Only a greater work of the gospel can produce the kind of change that you want, the kind of 
impact and influence that God wants to bring about in your life, which is the point of the good heart in this parable. So we're going to hand this out. It'll come to you. Some of you know this. It's just take one double cup, hold it in your hand, and then we will take it together in just a minute. Let me pray. God, I pray you'd be with us in these couple minutes as we experience the ordinance that the church has done for 2,000 years. We stand in, 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 in union with the body of Christ across time and across geography, and we acknowledge the gospel message, not only as it was experienced in history, but as it's experienced in our lives. We pray that you would be with us now as we just take some moments to think about what you have done for us and what you still want to do in us. In Jesus' name, amen.